What's up, everybody? Welcome to Bomb City Locker Room Talk Podcast. You're listening to Locker Room Hype, episode 14. As always, I'm James Fairchild. I'm Aaron Pena. Well, yes, we got some good stuff for you today, especially in the sports world. I mean, lots of things popping up, you know, NBA players returning to the, the bubble and MLB players going doing their little training at the facility so it's been a pretty wild week in the world of sports with all the updates and the news that's flowing out of the nfl the mlb college athletics and most recently we got to witness the most lucrative contract in sports history and who might that be alex rodriguez (laughs) (laughs) No, man, you know, I got to give it out. Big shout out to my boy, Pat Mahomes, boy, making that big money. Man, no, man no. that's so much money over a 10-year window, which I don't think he'll play out that entire contract, maybe five, six years. And if he's really productive and leads them to a few more Super Bowls, he may make that $450 million. What do you think the chances are? I mean – can't upon, I mean, they got a great team, man. And they're just going to keep rebuilding around him. I mean, that's the thing. Yes, I know he got a big contract, but if I was a player, I'd be like, yeah, I'm going to go to him because I'll probably get the ball half the time because, I mean, he throws to all his receivers, gives the ball. I mean, there's a lot of love Kansas right. City. They've got a great team. You're right. They have got a great cast around him. He can distribute the ball all over the field. And the defense is only getting better. And with Pat Mahomes being in his – this is his third year, correct, coming up? Yes. He's, oh, no, fourth year. he's already on the track to be a Hall of Famer. He's had a Hall of Fame career up until this point. And he's the first half-billion-dollar player in sports history. It's the largest contract. Even though I'm a Cowboy fan, but suck on that Dak Prescott. Yeah. We're not huge Dak Prescott fans. I mean, we support him because we have to, but we are not the guys that are sitting front row. That's how you make money is win a Super Bowl, bro. Win. Win a damn Super Bowl. Become a proven winner. That's the thing. If if Dak Prescott can string together some playoff wins, get to an NFC championship. He's going to say, well, no, those are no excuses. you got a damn good team around you. So – yeah, if Let's not go. as good or better than what Pat Mahomes has around him. Exactly. So there's no excuse for Dak moving forward. Now, this is going to affect Dak's contract, and it's coming up, I believe, next week where he, they've got to iron all that out. So, How do you think uh, it's going to affect, affect his deal? You're going to be a big old bitch. That's what he's going to do. Plain and simple, so? I think so. I mean, he's going to be like, whoa. I'm like, no, man. Just – it don't matter about stats right now, man. It's about winning games and getting a ring, and that's what Mahomes did, man. Plain and simple, right? You know, you, you know. And the thing about it, even when Mahomes was attacked, man, he he struggled. I mean, he didn't have the best team, but dude, he made shit happen by himself. He did. He did and, a lot with less. Yeah, and he can do it, man. I mean, that's the thing. He works his butt off, man. You know, when I watch videos of him. I mean, he's always training, doing you know, doing something, man. He's a very, like I said, very humble man. He just, you know, he works his ass off, man. And like I said, if you know, at this day, at this day and time, if I had to role model anybody, it'd be him right now. Right. He's he's really lived up to that role while he's been in the NFL. Even when he was in college, I can't remember a time where he, there was any controversy around him. You know. He's just one of those guys that that does put his head down, and he's a team player. He's not cocky, over cocky like you know Baker Mayfield can be. Yeah, for players like confident. that, he's he's just confident. He does what he has to do, and I don't know, man. By signing this ten-year extension that could pay him up to upwards up to five hundred and three million is the, it's the richest contract in American sports history, but with the success that comes, if it does in fact come, it's only going to benefit his team around him as well. I I don't know, man. I think they're just going to continue to take care of these guys 
from that Super Bowl contending team and just keep building what they've already started. The foundation has been laid, and I could see them winning, you know, two more Super Bowls in the next five years. What do you think? They have the potential. Yeah, I mean, like I said, you know, you got teams trying to rebuild, you know, but, you know, nothing, nothing big on the market right now, you know, except for the Bucks, you know, doing their whole rebuild. I mean, like I said, he doesn't. That's the thing. He doesn't have to worry about Tom Brady no more until that final game. Now, yeah. And the cool thing is, is he wanted a long-term security with this deal, and he wanted to leave the Chiefs with enough financial flexibility to build that strong team and keep it intact around him throughout the years that he's locked in. Here's too many big words over there. <laughs> Man, he's gonna do good for himself. He is gonna do well in his family. And his generations, I mean, so. It's just going to be important to keep that team intact around him. And, and with that deal, I feel like there's a little enough wiggle room to get take care of these guys and keep them, you know, all intact. Because we see this all the time where these, these teams, after a Super Bowl, they scatter. Players go here and there. They don't get the deals they want, so they don't return. But he's he's in for the next 12 years with the Chiefs. And that's a pretty good. I don't care. That's a good program. You got Andy Reid. I mean, I'm, I'm happy for Andy Reid too to so, reflect back on what he's accomplished throughout his career exactly. to to finally grab that almighty Super Bowl ring. Hey, hats off to him. Exactly. Well, you know what's more important is that he's. I mean, like I said, he's not only a good coach, man. He's a great, great uh, mentor mm-hmm. for life. I mean. You know, I know that Pat, I'll just credit him quite a bit, you know, just saying, hey, you know, he's a great quarterback, but, you know, we're still going to work him hard. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, he doesn't baby him. He makes his ass work. He's got a good track record and with quarterbacks. And that, so, yeah. You know, that goes to show for a good coach. You can't baby him. You got to make sure that he knows that he still has to put work in. And with that philosophy that Andy Reid has established already, it's going to be not easy, but it's going to be – really well set up for the next head coach that comes in because let's face it, Andy Reed probably won't coach too many more years, but he's started the legacy. He started the, the dynasty and he's ironed out all the blueprints. And now whoever steps in after him, they'll have a nice set of, of keys to a beautiful operating car. You know what I mean? It's going to be just turnkey, get in and go. I'm excited to see what they're going to do. I was happy to see the city of Kansas City win another Super Bowl. They hadn't won a Super Bowl since 1970 against the Vikings. So it was pretty cool to see them come back and get another one under their belt. Go Kansas City, but I'm not going to buy a jersey. It's okay. I'll still keep my Cowboy shirt. I'm not buying a jersey yet. You're not going to buy a Pat Mahomes jersey like every Tech fan in Amarillo and Lubbock? No. no. Come on, man. you got to get on the train. I'd rather have a Tech I'd rather wear a tech jersey by him rather than buy it in Kansas City. Yeah. Come on, man. I, I'll, stick to my, I'll stick to my team. I, I wish he would have had more success at tech as a team. You know, his, the teams he was on weren't very good. He was such a great player. It would oh, have yeah. been cool to see him on a team, you know, a 10-plus win team, you know, get to a New Year's Six Bowl and pull one out. But he'll forever be a legend in the Big 12. Well, what's next, Aaron? Well, you know, man, MLB starting up, you know, here pretty quick. First games are coming up within the end of the next couple of weeks. But, of course, the damn virus is having some issues again. You know, it's really putting a damper on a lot of these trainings and things like that. You know, teams are having to close down for a couple of days, do testing, things like that. I mean, it's. Did you hear uh, Joey Gallo tested positive? The Rangers. I did. I did, man. He's asymptomatic. So, these guys are coming down with it, and we're starting to see how they're going to handle it, and they've released a protocol uh, on opening night on July 23rd. The Yankees will face the Nationals. That'll be interesting. We'll see how many players are actually out for that game and see how they're going to handle it. Maybe it'll screw up their rotation, could throw off everything. 
being a manager right now would be super chaotic, oh, wouldn't yeah, it? Oh yeah, man. I mean, everything's gonna be everything's gonna be chaotic for a little while, you know. Especially whenever you start games, and like I said, man. I, I mean, right now they got about they say right now they got about sixty six positive tests. You know, they test everybody, but I mean, I, I mean, I hate saying it, man, but like. It seems like we spend more time on testing rather than actually practicing and getting ready for the damn game, you know? Yeah. I've heard that they're coming out with a different form of testing, which is going to be saliva-based, and it should be a quicker turnaround to get your results. So maybe that's something that they'll implement throughout all of sports, including college. Well, here's the thing. Just by looking at it, they've done 3,740 tests. Out of those tests, 66 came out positive, 58 players, eight club, club staff members. As I mean, really, that's really not that bad. I know, it, I mean, I hate saying that, yes, they did get positive. It does, you know, it sucks that they do have that, but, you know, at the end of the day, they're still healthy guys, and that's good, you know, so. That's a good news, you know. We've, we've talked about this so much at nauseum, but. This, this virus for these guys, for the average person who is very active and healthy, it's not going to do a tremendous amount of long-term damage. I'm not saying it can't, but these guys are, are healthy and their, their bodies are built well enough to sustain an attack like this from a virus. It's just like um, the flu, you know, every year. We all well, I think, come down with and it. And here's the thing. This is from my experience with the COVID, you know, I tend to get tired really, really quick, mm-hmm. you know. Now, yes, I'm a big guy. <laughs> I mean, that comes with being a big guy, you know. That hasn't really worked out. But the thing about it, I mean, I can go from my, from my house to the mailbox and back. And I'm not like, I'm not dying, but I'm like, <sighs> I get a little winded. I'm mm-hmm. like, golly, that's, that's, you know, I barely walked. So I know that this virus will have an effect on the fatigue, you know, on them and everything like that. And day by day, gains. It will. So. Especially, yeah, I mean, we've known people that have had it. And you know what? We've had it ourselves. And afterwards, with the weeks after, you kind of felt still lethargic and tired. Yeah, you're still tired. I mean, you still feel a little tired, but you're not at the point where you're on your deathbed either. No. You're able no. to do things in your normal routine except you're not you're not able to go above and beyond that yeah i can't just like bounce out of bed and be like let's do this right can't do that no more i'm like bounce out of bed i'm like i need to take a shower (laughs) (laughs) i need to get some coffee you know really psych myself up you know yeah i mean for baseball players they don't do a hell of a lot of conditioning not like other sports they do you'd be surprised but Come on, let's but, be honest. But they do run; they have to. They do and because it takes. I mean, if they don't, if they set, if they set all that lactic acid, man. It, oh yeah, it they're kills they're them. active. Don't get me wrong; they're active, but they're not as active as the you know a, another sport that demands more physicality and conditioning. Well, I don't know. I've seen I've seen baseball players do a lot of running and a lot of there are there are some that are freak athletes yeah exactly and there are some that are fat boys let's be honest hey man who's the fat (laughs) what are you talking about over here not you it's okay first basements of the world come on now they don't have those no more you gotta be able to stretch yeah (laughs) (laughs) you know what's cool about the mlb uh just you know for reference you know uh, they did agree in 2021 on 9/11 that the Yankees and the Mets will play on the on on 9/11 for the 20th anniversary. Oh, that's awesome! I, I saw that today on ESPN. I thought, wow, that's really cool to see that. That you is know, cool. You know, like I said, we got to be. I know right now it's bad, but you know, at least doing that, you know, we can't forget about those moments too. You know, exactly. You're absolutely right. I mean. Sometimes we get to the point in our history where we don't reflect back enough. And to bring those two teams together to play on that day would be pretty monumental. Oh, yeah. It would bring oh, yeah. that city together, you know? Oh, yeah. Exactly. They hate each – the fan bases hate each other, but 
you bring them together for a moment like that, yeah, it's going to be great for the for the community for sure. So yeah, I thought that was pretty cool to see. You know, MLB, you know, looking ahead, you know, and trying to get some stuff figured out not only for next, you know, for next year, but yeah, I mean, it's really cool. One thing I was really bummed about was the All Star Game being canceled for 2020. Oh yeah, I mean, the All Star Game is always a big. I'm not saying like the biggest show to watch, but what it really does, it's you know, you get to see your the stars show their skills at the you know, especially the home run derby. The long ball, yeah. exactly. Everybody, yeah. everybody wants to see the long ball. Yeah, home run derby is always fun. You know, the games. You know, the game has been really good too these last couple of years. So I mean, and the Dodgers will host uh, the next one in 2022, which is pretty cool. At, at, in the Dodgers Stadium, the last one that they hosted was in 1980, so that was new, new announced uh, MLB news regarding the All Star Game in the future. We all love to see those guys get out there and and just have fun, man. You see so much talent in one area, just having a blast. A lot of these guys know each other, and it's not like the, it used to be. You know, guys used to hate each other. But now it's more a friendly, more of a friendly game. It is all across yeah. professional sports, so but, it makes those events more fun to watch. But here's the thing: if you're a baseball fan, July 23rd, I know you're not the, you know, I'm not the biggest fans of these teams, but it is baseball. New York at Washington, mm-hmm. San Fran at L.A., Dodgers. Sorry, mm-hmm. you know those are the big two matchups. But you know, for us Ranger fans, if we're a Ranger fan out there. We play that Friday on the 24th against the Rockies. And it's also opening game at the new Global Park. Man. That's going to actually be fun to actually see it open finally after this long. It is going to be cool, man. I really like the design. However, across social media, there have been some memes made oh. of the stadium and some kind of derogatory it looks like references. A yeah, it looks like a steel barn yeah, or something. They can go screw themselves, man. It looks awesome, I think. And it's so cool that it's going to be, you know, able to be indoors, outdoors. It gets so humid and hot in Dallas. Yeah, I was about to say, go go back to the old ballpark and sit out at a 205 game. And Tell me you don't want to be. In 2018, on 4th of July, we went to a, a Rangers and Astros game. And we were behind uh, the first base dugout, and it was so sweltering hot. It was miserable till about the fifth or sixth inning. Then the sun started to go down. We got some shade. It was bad. Yep. It was bad. But but get ready, get ready, baseball fans. You know it's coming. It's coming. You know, just like NBA. You know, we we already talked about the NBA. Uh, last week and everything like that. But everything's coming. It's coming to play. Just be patient, and hopefully everything works out. So, but you know, we got some uh, got some good. Well, not good. We got some pretty crazy news coming out of college football. Uh, I'm gonna let James go ahead and get started on that. Yeah, man. The Ivy League has announced they're gonna cancel sports. For the 2020 season, and including oh no, college, not sports, <laughs> in, including college football. I mean, that's the biggest cash cow of any university. Even at these Ivy League schools, they've been around forever. Yeah, so I, mean, I had big money on Harvard and Yale this year. <laughs> I was really, really pushing for Harvard to stand out for me. <laughs> yeah, they're they're canceling its fall sports, including football. It, and the conference won't even consider bringing sports back until January, similar to the conference's decision to cancel the basketball tournaments, you know, that we had experienced. The move came in the interest of student safety, which is never a bad thing. We've got to be <coughs> safe across the country. However, I cannot imagine the Power Five conferences canceling fall sports, especially football. What do you think? I I just, I just don't see it happening. It's gonna, it's gonna continue. I mean, it's no matter what. It's right there, man. I mean, everything. Like I said, it. I mean, like I said, we we this first, you know, little thing sparked a match. Let's just hope it doesn't start a big fire. 
Yeah. I mean, that's the thing, man. I mean, it's 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 getting there. I mean, I'm looking right now. You know, Stanford. They cut eleven of its varsity programs at the at the uh, for this next year for 2021 because of the financial ramifications. Mm-hmm. If you know, that, those are big words for me. You know, <laughs> but I mean, they don't have money. I mean, right now, I mean, even though it's Stanford, they're struggling. I mean, so everybody else has to be struggling too. You're right. And the thing about it, I mean, it's you know, it's men and women's. And here's the thing: you might not think these are big sports, but to beat these other guys and women, these are big the big things for them: fencing, field hockey, rowing, mm-hmm. uh, sailing, squash, swimming. Uh, shoot, I know men's volleyball is a big thing over there in that West Coast. It is and, different and, parts of the country and wrestling. Things get more popular and more interest is, is generated and driven towards those sports like lacrosse and things like that. But focusing on the Big 12, because that's what we love the most out of any Power yeah, 5 conference. Say, focusing on my Sooners, <laughs> go screw yourself. Shut up. You want to get on get on the, my yeah, bad side already? Up. We're going to throw down right here. Do it. Well, you know what? Most college football programs – universities are in small college football towns. They're in smaller populated areas. Lubbock, Texas, Lawrence, Kansas, Norman, Oklahoma. You know, Lubbock is not that. It's pretty populated, to tell you the truth. Well, it is now. But oh, yeah. it's not as populated it's as still, Austin it's still a college or town. Houston. Yeah. yeah, it's a college town. These small college towns rely on revenue driven and made from the football program, hotels, restaurants. It all comes from <laughs> strip bars. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> you're right. I'm just, I'm just kidding. It comes from the six to seven home games. These teams programs schedule every year. So let's, let's be real here. If, if we don't have college football, some of these smaller economically, you know, constructed towns, could take a huge hit oh, yeah, people are going to be out of jobs it's there's going to be an economic downfall i think this says something it about sucks alabama you know tuscaloosa. tuscaloosa they said something around in the billionsville i know they said something around in the billions that mm-hmm. they're going to lose revenue i mean that i mean shit that's a lot <laughs> athens i mean there, mm. there's these towns that some of them aren't too small but what they depend on the most is the fall that college football program bringing in 80 to a hundred thousand people to a game, you know, six games out of, you know, the 10 of their, on their schedule or 12 on their schedule. That's a lot of money coming in. And if that money's not coming in, it's going to, it's going to affect the university. It's going to affect the, the economy, the structure of the hotels, everything that that's you know in operation. So that's another thing we have to consider here. There's going to be a lot of hurt with not having a college football season, not just from the fan perspective, but from an economic perspective. If you're a citizen of that community, you know, I know at Tech in Lubbock, they have a lot of restaurants and bars down university, oh, yeah. don't they? They do, and they rely heavily for a big chunk of their profits every year on game days. Yeah, especially Norman, too. Mm-hmm. There's I mean, Campus Corner right across the street from, you know, the University of Oklahoma on the north end of the campus. There's tons of restaurants, bars, strip club. <laughs> it's on the valley, just to let you know. Yeah. <laughs> they rely on, on, on those people coming in. You know, we, we traveled to at least, you know, a couple games a year in Norman. And last year we had season tickets and went to all six home games. So they got a huge chunk of our our money as well. Oh yeah, man. I mean, you got these, like I said, you got these multi-million boosters that go out there, tailgate, spend money, mm-hmm. spend money. I mean, that's I mean, that's, that's they, the thing. Yeah, man. they go to the supermarkets, they buy their beer, they buy their food. That's another good example of uh, of what the game day experience brings and. It's just an all-around money-making machine in these small college towns. Uh, Ann Arbor, Michigan, Columbus, Ohio, 
it just, the list goes on and on with these these towns and yeah they'll be okay probably but there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be out of work also if we don't have a college football season which we don't ever want to happen so let's get out of that nasty funk and move on to something else because I don't ever want to think of a world without a college football season. Well, I mean, you already put a damper on there, man. That damn Texas State Fair is canceled. Damn. Shit. Yeah. I mean, I've never been to it, but, you know, it is. Never been? Man. Oh, no, man, I don't go to that Texas OU crap. It's the Texas State Fair. I don't care. You're a Texan. I do. Maybe I should oh, go. Oh, you'd rather go to the Tri-State Fair, huh? Maybe I should ride a horse. Maybe I should ride a bull, too. No, I can't. Yeah, maybe since you're from the state of Texas, you should like UT, like everyone else says outside of this state or in this state, depending on who you talk to and bump into. I'm going to keep it to myself. Yeah. We'll go down that rabbit hole one of these podcasts. But, yeah, the Texas State Fair is canceled. And when I heard that news a couple days ago, I was was shocked. You know how big of a moneymaker the Texas State Fair is? Not only oh, for yeah. Dallas, but, you know, the surrounding areas. It's just, it's huge. You have Big Tex. You've got fried Snickers. <laughs> what was it fried ice cream. You get, all the, you get to hear all the new fried stuff. And I think that's, you know, kind of sad. I mean, they've been around for 134 years. And it's going to take a hiatus this year, which isn't that big of a deal. But, you know, going back to the OU Texas game for the Red River rivalry, it's going to take away a little bit of the uh, atmosphere and the luster of the, the build, build up to the game if there's not the state fair around it. I just hope that they still continue to plan and make plans to play at the Cotton Bowl. Even if it's a you know diminished attendance, whatever it may be, 80%, 60%, 50%, that game needs to continue and go on and be played at the Cotton Bowl. Let's be honest here. But I wouldn't be opposed either. I've heard this as well. A one-in-one series. This year in Norman, next year in Austin. That'd be pretty cool. It would be cool. Never they University of Oklahoma, University of Texas have never played on each other's campuses. Well, so do it. I think it would be pretty awesome if that happened. But I think they're going to do whatever it takes, from what I've heard, to play in the Cotton Bowl this year, which is great, great news. But the, t- the state of Texas, we've suffered over 210,000 confirmed cases and more than 2,700 people have died from COVID-19. So that's kind of the, the basis behind canceling this thing with a, a state fair that brings in thousands and thousands of people at one time. Think about how big of a Petri dish that could be and how this, the, the spread of this virus could rapidly grow. I will. I mean, it, I mean, like I said, and I mean, even though it's <clears throat> it is in October, you know, it's still pretty warm, you know, in Dallas and everything. You know, the state of Texas is still pretty warm, but like I said, um, yeah, that thing can spread really, really quick because I mean, it's packed. Yeah, I mean, it's showing last year the the fair drew two point five million people during its month long run, and you know for it's more popular and busy days. They draw more than 200,000 people in a day. That's insane. That's like Amarillo, you know, Amarillo going to the fair, the whole city getting up and going to the fair one day. Can you believe that? The real question is, is Amarillo going to have their fair? (sighs) I really don't care. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's bittersweet with that. When I was younger, I enjoyed the fair, but now as an adult, I don't money, really care. Money kills her, man. It's a money pit, <laughs> big time. I hate it. I, I mean, the the corny dogs, the cotton candy, the tacos, all the fat man uh, foods. Let me tell you, the food is the best part. That's the best part, right? Yeah, I could give two shits about the rides. <laughs> but that's... the you know. I, Yeah, dude, I don't care about the rides. Most of them are so janky and thrown together, they don't look safe at all. And they're not really... I guess for for young kids, they're perceived to be fun, but all they do is spin around, and I'll just get sick. We, uh, well, you know, that's just like I said. Hope everything turns out okay, but 
Oh, James here still wants to think about the big old 12, who's going to be on the top and who's going to be at the bottom. We need and to at I least discuss I it. Don't degre- I, don't, I don't like this list right here, James, that you gave me. I disagree. Okay, well, it's just a reference point. It's not well, I don't a like for you. sure list. I don't like your We're going to come up with our own list, and we're looking at the 24-7 Sports Big 12 projected order to finish from number one all the way to number 10. And we're staring here, and I don't know why he doesn't like this, because we have Texas Tech at number 10 at the damn Horseshit! complete bottom of this list, which I, I disagree also. I'm with Aaron. I don't think they're going to finish at the bottom. You know, but West Virginia and Kansas, and Kansas State in front of us, TCU, come on now. Oh, man. I, screw those teams. I, I respect Baylor. I respect Iowa State. I give two shits about Texas, you know, and then who cares? Who gives a crap about Oklahoma? It's not their damn song. Well, you know what? Tech has a brilliant opportunity this year because they get both Texas and Oklahoma at home. They do. And this is one of those years where they can make a run and, like, surprise a lot of people. They've done it before. You know, 2008, they had Texas at home, but they had Oklahoma away. And they ended up pulling it off that year against Texas. And then they went into Norman, ranked number one or number two, and got the, the shit beat out of them. But I'm about that's to neither the here shit nor out there. Of you right now, son. We, did, we went down there in 2009 and got our ass whooped. So I don't know if you remember that, 44 to 10. Yeah, that sucked. I did. But this year for 2020, it's going to be an exciting Big 12 race. Who do you have, Aaron, from one to 10? Who do you have, and who do you think is going to win it all? I don't want Oklahoma. You know that. It doesn't matter what you want. What do you think is objectively going to happen? Don't be subjective here. If I want, if I pick anybody, it's those Cowboys. Stillwater. You really think so? This is if, their, if, this I, is, if anybody else, I'll pick them. Okay. I ain't picking Sooners. I ain't picking Longhorns. Screw you. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'll, I'll pick the Cyclones before. I'm not going to totally disagree with you. But I'll pick the Bears, too. I like the Baylor Bears, too. So you're picking Oklahoma State number one. Now, this is going to be one of Coach Gundy's most talented teams since he's taken over at Oklahoma State. Oh, yeah. 2011 team was really good. They almost got to the national championship. And they ended up going into Ames and losing. But that's outside of that team, he's had some solid – you know, seasons overall here and there, but this is his year. So you think they're going to end the year number one and win the Big 12 championship? I think so. Okay. That's fair. I've well, – let's, let's just – you go all the way down your list. How about that? I don't want to. Who do you have at number two? Why does it matter? If you ain't first, you're last. Why does <laughs> it matter, right? We got to at least talk about it. No. You know no. how it is. I'm putting Baylor. I like Baylor, man. Baylor. I think they got something to play for. Okay, with their head coach gone. Yeah. They're gonna have a new But they still got they still got those great players though. Yeah. I just don't see them finishing as high as number two. You know, they lost some good talent on the defense. They lost Mims in the draft. Quarterback's coming back. He's had some concussion issues, but We'll see. Yep. And then number, number three is my Red Raiders. Now that's all I'm saying. Because I'm going to stick to those top three right there. You're just going to go with top three? Yep. All okay. right. Because here's the thing. Well, give. I want to hear your stance on why you believe Texas Tech will finish as high as you think they will. Because it's our year. I feel like Texas is going to come into our stadium. We're going to beat them. Oh, he's going to come to our stadium. We're going to beat them. We're going to do it. We'll probably win four out of the five road games, maybe. Probably lose one or two, maybe. Go three out of five, whatever. But I think at home we'll be 100%. Okay, so over-under win total, eight games. Over-under. Or over. right on. Over. Over. Okay, so you think it's an eight-plus win season. I feel it. And you're going to get the big dogs, and you're going to take them down in Lubbock. Yes. Okay, well, who are you going to have under center? Who do you think is going to start game one? 
There's a lot of talent. I don't know. You think Bowman will be ready? Uh, if he is, great. If he's not, I think we got better talent now that's actually going to be better prepared. I think. You got the transfer running back from Alabama. Yeah. You got yeah. some talent we there. We got some talent. We're going to do okay, man. If the the defense can be. But, you, I mean, you know, I mean, James, you know how big, you know, especially in the Big 12, how big home advantage it is. is. They've relied on that so heavily in the past, but in recent memory, they have not capitalized on having that home field no, advantage. It's a, they it's, haven't. It's a new decade, obviously, now. Right. Maybe they can get back to their old ways and Let's go. have an upset or two a season. If they can get to nine wins, that's huge for that program. Oh, yeah. That's huge that's for, for Wells in his second year. No, I think he's a good coach. I think he's going to do good. Uh, you know, he'll be okay. And y'all have Arizona, is that right? Uh, non-conference. Right. Arizona, Arizona State. I Arizona State, really. okay. Yeah, I feel like we're going to do good. We so? can do it. We can do it. Confident. Confident. Man, I respect your confidence. I do. I think mm-hmm. uh, my top three this year in 2020, man, it's going to be a toss-up. It's hard to, to definitively say who's going to be number one, who's going to be number two at this point. But I do think Oklahoma, I'm going to have to keep them number one until they get knocked off five years in a row, winning the Big 12 championship. They have not lost yet. They're the kings of the Big 12. They haven't been beaten, haven't been knocked off that throne. So my Sooners, number one. I'm going with Oklahoma State. That was not a shocker. No way. Well, you may think it's not a shocker, but you know what? You can't lie with the results. And five-year Big 12 championships in a row. I mean, come on. They they have to be ranked number one. There's no other place you can rank them at this point. Yeah. So you just got to gotta deal with it. And until someone knocks them off, hey, they're still number one. Oh, my God. Turn That's that right. shit That's off. That's right. All right, there you go. That's all I wanted to do. You're piss doing you something. Just want to piss you off. Well, I've got Oklahoma State number two. Like I said, they're going to have one of the best teams that they've had in, yeah. in over 10 years. They've got Chuba Hubbard coming back. Spencer Sanders is going to be – you know, a sophomore, has got a year under his belt. He's a dual-threat-type quarterback. He's only going to get better. Uh, Dylan Stoners, I think he's coming back. Um, Tylen Wallace is coming back, which is the best receiver in the country, in my opinion. Uh, I just think they're primed for a big year. And they play in Norman this year. They have to travel, you know, to play the Sooners at Owen Field. It's going to be a battle. It's going to be Bedlam. You know, I don't know who's going to win that game, but I'm going to objectively say my Sooners are going to pull it out at the end, late fourth quarter. We'll see what happens. I'll put money on it right now. <laughs> you want to put money on $1, it? $1,000 right now. $1,000. $1,000. And at number three, I've got the baby puke-colored cows of austin i hate them i can't believe you put them in number three i don't like them at all i never will they're our most hated rival iowa state at least texas man i'm telling you sam ellinger this is his final season as a longhorn good for him he's going to have a good season when their defense is healthy they're as good as anybody their offense has sputtered as of late, you know, last year only winning, what, eight games. They they underperformed last year. They were supposed to be back. We've heard that a thousand fucking times, right? We heard that a thousand times, just, uh, just to let you know. They're not back, are they? So this year is their one window, I think, to really prove to the country that they can still play quality ball and compete with the big boys. They've had a, a decade of mediocrity, to say the least, and now they've beat a depleted Georgia. They beat an overrated Utah team, and they think they're hot shit. But they still can't beat the Sooners when it matters. 
So I knew you were going to say something like that. They're not going to win the Big 12. I'm sorry. Oklahoma's, we, we're, we're reloading. Oklahoma State's just a better football team than the University of Texas this year. I think it's pretty close between those two. But I see Texas coming in at third. And the, Texas could surprise everybody and run the table. I just don't see it happening with the recent track record. Tom Herman, this is his year to prove that he's a worthy head coach because he's kind of been a, a clown. He hasn't been real consistent over the years with Texas, so we'll see what what happens there. Um, but, yeah, that's my top three. We could go all the way down the list, but I do agree with Aaron. Texas Tech is not at the bottom. They're, I think they're more middle of the pack right now. Yes. It's, they're just – there hasn't been any – proving success yet so we've got to see some wins strung together and some big wins at home in <coughs> lubbock primetime games i guarantee you that OU and texas game is going to be primetime what do you think if it's towards the end of the season heck yeah i will well tech and OU play very last game of the season so that's going to be huge it's going to be in november it's going to be huge 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 but let's go ahead and say hey we better have a good damn Big 12 season. We, we better. We've got the best collection of quarterbacks in the country. But as we're sitting here talking about football, James wants to talk about the top four favorite college players of all time. Ours. Well, And we're not talking about the four most dominant college football players. We're just going to give our top four college football players of all time. So, without further ado, Aaron, would you like to go first? Why do I always got to go first, you know? Uh, I don't know, man. It is tough. It's real tough. It is tough because there's been so many great college football players throughout the years, but there has to be a few that stick in your mind all right. okay. that are your favorites. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. All right, so... I would say my number four, I'll start with number four, Tim Tebow. I think, uh, you know, like I said, I I got to witness him through Florida. It's amazing what he did. Mm -hmm. I mean, just a true hard competitor, man. Shit, like, you, you will never understand how, how much I enjoy watching his interviews and everything like that because dude was passionate. Oh, yeah. He was so passionate. He was man. such a leader, man. And then on top of that, like, you know, when he went to the NFL, I was like, hell yeah. I was, I mean, I rooted for him. I mean, you know, it just, I mean, I don't like it. I'm not saying that he was like the best quarterback, but shit, he made stuff happen. And I just looked down, at, you know, like I said, I think they looked down on him on that. But still, as a college football player, holy shit, man. He just, man, he did awesome. It was awesome to watch him. So. Number four, Tim Tebow. That's my boy. Your boy. It's your boy, Blue. Yeah, man, Tebow was a great player. He's arguably one of the best college football players of all time. And during our lifetime, he's most undoubtedly one of the best. He had a good long career with Florida. Won an, he won a national championship behind, uh, was it Leak? In 2006. And then yeah. 2007... They got close, but 2008 is when they broke through and they, they played Oklahoma in the national championship and beat my Sooners. But the guy was just a motivational battering ram. I mean, <laughs> he, just, was, yeah. he was an awesome college okay. football he player. He didn't jump on his – he did not just sit there and jump on his on his bandwagon like, there's something wrong with you. Because Jesus, man, he I – mean, I mean, yeah, Jesus, because he – he talked a lot about faith and all that. Man, I just loved, you know, love hearing that, man. He wasn't scared to talk about it. I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah, he, he was open with his faith. He was a great guy, great role model for your kids to look up to and just as a person for anyone to look up to. Oh, yeah. Even if you're the same age as him. Like, he, he was our age, and he was one of those guys like, damn, why can't I be like that guy? He did everything right. He worked his ass off. He had good, strong morals and character. He was just a great overall person. That's what made him such a great football player. Well, my number four, you know, 
he was also this this guy who I'm about to mention. He was one of my favorite NFL players when I was growing up. But I specifically remember watching his highlights when he played for the Marshall Thundering Herd. And if you can guess, you're right. Randy our, Moss. Our listeners can't guess. They have to listen. <laughs> right. Randy Moss. Randy Moss. In 1996-97, you know, I was eight, nine years old. He was such an amazing receiver at the college level. People forget about how good he was. You know, he had over 55 touchdowns. He had over, you know, 46, 4,500 all-purpose yards. He was a great player. You know, there's always a little bit of controversy that followed Randy Moss, but I always liked his attitude, his flash, and his long, lengthy, linky stature. Like, he could snag a ball at any radius around him. He had a catch radius that was huge, and he could take the top off of a defense. Even though he was so tall and skinny, he was fast. He ran good routes. He did take some plays off once he got, you know, in the professional level. But as a collegiate athlete, he was a great player. He could have played anywhere in the country. And at one time, what he was committed to, was it Miami? I think so. Miami or Florida State? Yeah, Florida State. Florida State. And they declared him ineligible to play because he signed a letter of intent before. And therefore, there's a transfer. Um, You know, he was – he was primed to play at the big power five conference level, but he ended up dropping down to finish his college career with Marshall, the division one double a, and they moved up to division one, a D one for the 97 season. And that's the big season that everybody remembers when he played. Yeah. Then Marshall moved up to D one, but he has so much success as a college football player, man. He had that controversy coming out of high school he served like a what a thirty day jail sentence. He tested positive for smoking pot several times, but I was just captivated by him on the field. And whenever I was a kid, I wanted his number when I played football. You know, I always wanted to be a receiver, but throughout my whole career, I was more of a tight end slash receiver. I never had the skill set he did. He was just an amazing athlete. So he's my number four. Who do you got at number three? Tres. You want me to talk about my number tres? Tres. Tres. My number three. RG3, baby. RG3. God, man. You know, he, I don't mean, he had, he, he did incredible with that Baylor, man. Incredible. He did. And, you know, and I mean, I mean, even when he was at Baylor, I mean, his first couple of years, they were just building. But man, he 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 kept that team alive. I mean, they should have won a lot of games, but they just didn't have that complete team to really finish them. You know, it wasn't until his last, his junior and senior year, where they started, you know, making a good run and everything. And but RG three was just an amazing athlete. He was man, athlete, athlete. I mean, but also a person. I mean, he just again another humble guy, man. He just. I mean, when I when I look up to these guys, man, I just see like, like they're like they they they're always blessed for where where they're at that day. And he, you know, he was a very humble man, family man. You know, I mean, real, you know, very well respected. You know, he I thought maybe when he got in the NFL, he'll do good. He he did pretty good. He had a pretty good one or two seasons, and then you know, kind of just kind of slipped off here and there, you know, but. But as a college player, man, golly, he was just straight up amazing. I remember watching him in Lubbock his freshman year, and was that one of those years that he broke, he tore his ACL? And yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus, man, he was just freaking. I mean, we should have lost. Tech should have got beat worse, but he got injured. I mean, that's the reason why we won is because he got injured. I mean, that I remember that. Good. I remember him getting injured down there. That was a big deal. And one of the things. The moments that won him the Heisman was when he led his Bears back and he threw that long pass into the end zone to beat OU. That was a huge defining moment in his career that catapulted him to win the Heisman. It was really cool to see him win it too because 
other notable alumni from Baylor, Mike Singletary played there. I mean, other than that, RG3 is a face of Baylor for the longest time. Oh, yeah. He's he's definitely a legend down there in Waco. All right, that was my number three. What about you? Man, this has been tough, but I hate to admit it. I mean, he was he was other than Randy Moss, another receiver that I really idolized and thought was a great just overall player was Michael Crabtree. I like that. Good, good choice. Won the Bolitnikoff, what, two years in a row. He was a great receiver at Tech. I wasn't a Tech fan, but I was a fan of his because how consistent he was and how dominating he, he became over time. You know, the, the play against Texas st- stands out in my mind. You know, last-second throw down, you know, the right sideline and then breaking away from the DB to scoot into the end zone to win the game. That was just incredible. He he seemed to catch everything around, and I you know me aspiring to be a receiver, I looked to his skill set and try to model some of the things that he did, you know, into my game because he was just one of those electric players. You know, you even got to experience seeing him play a oh, lot yeah. in person. Absolutely. What's one thing that stood out that you always noticed? He was a, he was a playmaker, man. He was the guy that. When they said that when he called his number, he was ready to go. But you know, but he also had other guys on there on that team. You know, he had Amendola, he had mm-hmm. Fellini. I mean, he has he had a lot of guys around him that you know helped him be able to make those big plays. So you know, I mean, yeah, I give credit to him. You know, don't get me wrong, but I also give credit to those other players too that helped him be become you know shine and everything. So it was a good pick. Whenever, like I said, whenever he needed to make a play, he did it. So, did you ever get to meet him while you were down there in uh, school? Yeah, he was a cocky son of a bitch. So. He's cocky. Yeah, I was like, oh, okay, well, I guess that's the fame, but yeah, it is what it is. But, you know, he's definitely a legend, you know, around here where we're from, because of the success he down he had down there in Lubbock. You know, we all, we're only a, an hour and fifteen minutes away from Lubbock, so we heard a lot about Crabtree, and he was a big deal down there in Lubbock whenever he was having all that success. You know, the the one yeah. time I got to see him play was in 2007 when I went to see my Sooners play down there in Lubbock. And Sam Bradford ended up getting getting hurt, getting yeah, taken out of the game. Knocked out. Yeah. That guy did not know where he was at. He's like, hey. I was bummed I play, out. I play football. <laughs> Tech went on to get a pretty comfortable lead, but then Oklahoma stormed back, and they almost made it a good game there at the end. So that was That was a disappointing moment for me as a fan. But, you know, I got to see some great players play, and Crabtree was one of them. So, yeah, he's my number three. So, what about you, number two? Okay, well, my number two, I got, like, two players because I have to do this uh, for two players. Cheating a little bit. What's up? Well, I'm going to have to go with Reggie Bush, Colt McCoy. Okay. I know I hate saying that about Texas, but uh, Reggie Bush, man, dude, he – shit, man, every time you watched him touch that ball in, he – he got to that edge and he just smoked people. Man, it was awesome to watch. Mm-hmm. I know he. I mean, he wasn't those. He couldn't run through the middle that much, but on the outside, you could not catch him, man. Yeah, he was incredible. We're old enough to have seen him play, but a lot of our our student athletes or you know younger friends they don't remember him, yep. you know, and his college career. We got to witness it. He was uh, a damn good college running back. He was. He was electric, man. Yeah, when so, he got the ball in his hands, he was gone. Yeah, exactly. It just, I mean, man, it just, it was awesome. And then I had to pick Colt McCoy, man. I mean, as much, you know, as much as you just want to hate him, man, he made shit happen. He really did. I mean, he got, there were times he'd get the crap knocked out of him. He'd get right back up and do it again, man. Like, you know, I mean, and, I mean, yeah, he had some good players around him, but he didn't, again, he didn't have a great dominant team around him either. But he made that team the, the way they were. He was efficient. That's yeah. one thing I remember about Colt. He was very efficient. He was very tough. He'd get the shit knocked out of him. I remember yeah. our panhandle boy, old Austin English, putting his dick in the dirt a few times and <laughs> knocking him down. But, man, I, mean, I just – I had, you know, like with number two, it was hard between them two, man, because, you know, I, I'll tell you my number one because that, you know, is one of my idols. But Reggie, man, and, you know, Colt, Colt McCoy, man, they – 
Yeah, I mean, those two are really, really, like I said, they're up there, man. Yeah. Number two for you, dude. Number two for me. Man. It's been, it's been a tough decision, but I had to go with my boy, Roy Williams. Safety at Oklahoma. Man. Or like a, like I love Roy because of how dominant he was. Like a middle linebacker at the safety. Mm-hmm. He could, <laughs> and he was, he was agile enough. He, he was fast enough to cover. He could cover in space, and he could come and fill the, fill the gap. He could come and blitz anytime you wanted him to. He could sit in the box and be a linebacker. He could be a nickelback. You know, he was one of those players that was versatile. And a lot of people forget, you know, he, he was a Heisman finalist. And one of the most memorable plays that stands out to me in the 2001 Red River shootout, OU was, was leading 7-3. to three. Longhorns took the field, hoping to execute a game-winning drive because there was like a couple minutes left. And Texas was forced to begin their drive on the five-yard line, their own five-yard line. And the, the Sooners pressured, prepared to pressure UT quarterback Chris Sims. Well, right before the snap, Williams, he came up to the line of scrimmage. He drifted back to about second level. And then right before the snap, he got to the defensive end, jumped over the tackle, and collided with Chris Sims as he was in motion to throw the football. That ball flutters in the air, and my boy Teddy Lehman intercepts that thing and runs it in for a oh, touchdown. You know personally, huh? That's your boy? Yes. You know personally? Hey, he has a great podcast, too. I want to give him a shout-out. Oklahoma Breakdown with Gabe Eichert and, and Teddy Lehman. Great podcast. But Roy Williams, that play will always go down as the Superman play, one of the most famous college football plays of all time. If you haven't seen it, then I guess you're not a real college football fan out there. I haven't seen it. I'm a grown-up. <laughs> Whatever, dude. <laughs> he, was a, he was a Thorpe Award winner, the nation's top defensive back. He was a hard-hitting safety. He came downhill, and he would bust your ass. He would hit you in the mouth. He was, he was, and even with the Cowboys, he had some great years. He was a five-time Pro Bowler, first-team All-Pro in 2003 in the NFL. He was Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year in 2001, and he won a national championship. And he was a Nagurski Trophy winner in 2001. He won so many awards, so many trophies. He was all-first-team, All-American two times. He was just a great player, man. I love that guy. He was a great player. He's a great guy, too. I got to meet him at one of the games. He was just standing in the middle of a parking lot. No one around. We were walking to a tailgate. And I said, Roy? Is that Roy Williams? Is that you? He said, yeah, man. What's up? Got to meet him. Took a picture with him. Went about our business. So it was pretty cool. Yeah, you would have done more if you had a chance. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, he's a Sooner legend. So stop hating. I'm not. He's a great guy. But now, number one. (laughs) 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 Number one. Who you got at number one? Number one, Ricky Williams. Texas running back. Wow. I know. That was my role model. You're not going to pick Zach Thomas? No, dude. I wasn't no linebacker. So? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow, man. Ricky Williams, man. That boy could run. And I loved watching him, too. And he could run just right through the middle, too, man. It's one of those that he – I mean, he could run outside, inside. You know, he was awesome to watch. That boy never stopped his feet. And That's this, true, man. I I, I was – I did like Ro- Ricky Williams back then. That was my number one, then. man, because he just – I idolized him, man. I really did. He was a great running back. You know, so – When he broke the record against A&M was pretty huge. Yep. So, that's man. why I was like – you know, this is did my, you grow up a Texas fan? No, no Ricky Williams fan. Just Ricky, uh, <laughs> but did you didn't like the team though? No, and that was kind of my deal. I yeah. liked him as a player, but yeah. I was never a UT exactly, fan. Exactly, man. And, well, you know, I'm like like I said with Texas, I grew up, you know, Ricky Williams, but also like Major Applewhite. He was my one of my favorite quarterbacks too, man. You know, so like I said, nah, I, he was Texas, trash. No, don't don't even start with Apple, man. He was my boy. Get our own personal, but no, but. That's the thing, man. Ricky Williams was great, and I, it was awesome to watch him. So, I can't wait to hear your number one. I bet it was a freaking Sooner, huh? You damn right it's a Sooner. 
I grew up a Sooners fan. Go Sooners. But most importantly, I share a birthday with my favorite player of all time. Favorite college football player of all time also. Adrian Peterson, March 21st, 1988. All right, well, that's, you know, since AP, I like him. You know, he was born a, a few years before me, but he is my all-time favorite football player. And every year on March 21st, pretty cool, I get to brag. Sharing a birthday with my boy. <laughs> I like AP, though, man. I He's uh, Man, I just – what stands out the most with Adrian – his his build, his frame, the way he runs the ball, he's a lot like you know Eric Dickerson in the way he runs. Yeah, he's was, powerful. You know, it was great just watching. I mean, college football, but man, it was also great watching him. NFL too, man. Like he just, I mean, even when he got older, he still was just. I mean, he was still trying to run like he was in college, man. I loved it exactly, and I wish he didn't get hurt so much. You know, his sophomore and junior seasons in college but he still had over a thousand yards those two seasons. But what stands out and really resonates with me was the 2004 season, his freshman year where he broke onto the scene and he had over 1900 yards rushing as a freshman. He should have won the Heisman that year. And at that time it was really frowned upon to hand the Heisman trophy to a freshman. We've seen it done, you know, in recent memory, but back then, you couldn't do it. It was like taboo. It was really tough, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, in 2004, I was, what, 17, 16, 17 years old, and just watching him every Saturday dominate the competition, it was amazing. He had over 339 carries as a freshman. He toted that rock, and he yeah, never broke. He was a, a beast. That's a lot of handoffs. Yeah, that's a lot of handoffs. He he had, you know, 100 yards pretty much almost every game he played in the in the season opener against Bowling Green. I just remember he broke over 100 yards, and everyone was like, "Who's this kid?" We knew who he was because he was a five star recruit. But he was just such a huge huge influence in my life. Texas Great boy. player and a Texas boy, Palestine, Texas. Yep. Yep. I mean, I am AP. Put on some great years, amazing years, you know, college and NFL, man. So, I, I, I agree with you on that, too. I'd put him in my top ten NFL player, too, man, because right. he was a hell of a football player. Yeah, well, he, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer in my mind. So, Oh, yeah. Hell, yeah. Hell, yeah. You got to. You had to put him in the Hall of, Hall of Fame. So. Exactly. But, you know, if you're sitting around this weekend – don't forget, there's a good fight coming on. USC 251, 251. <laughs> 251. Jorge Masvidal, who stepped in to fight Usman. Yeah. Last minute. Six days. Six, notice. seven days. Yeah. yeah. Notice, so. They're going to be fighting on Fight Island in Abu Dhabi in the United Arab. Abu Dhabi. Emir- How do you say that? Emirates? Yeah, whatever. I don't know. It's an island. That's all you need to know. Yep. They had to take the coronavirus test over and over again. And then been, they've been quarantined, I guess, for the past few days. But they're ready to fight on Saturday. It's going to be so, a good fight. Yep. You gotta, like I said, even if you're not a UFC fan, just watch it, man. That should be a hell of a fight. So yeah, get up on it. We're definitely going to buy it. We're going to watch it because it's one of those big ones. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to buy it. <laughs> well, we're going to legally <laughs> stream it, but it's yeah, going to be good. But, you know, like I said, guys, we got here in the next couple of weeks. Don't forget, things are going to be popping up. UIL right now is still working on, you know, the sports here in Texas. A lot of guidelines change. I'm not joking. Change about two to three times a day. <laughs> yeah. The, so the protocol that's being put in place for our students yeah. is changing. They've come out with something that's more concrete recently but yeah, that's there but it could change like i said the numbers jump up you know things just change so like i said you know as soon as we hear something we'll we'll mention it on the podcast you know so but if you're really interested like i said hit us up on facebook instagram give us a shout out you know yep and our email at bombcity.lockerroomtalk at gmail.com and remember before you 
uh, get together for the fight this weekend, go hit up Rocket Brews. Yep. Go to their drive through if you're not comfortable with going inside. They have a drive through Order the drink of the month. Get you some beef jerky. Get you some toppings on your actual drink, whether it be shrimp, beef oh, jerky, man, candy, tahini, anything. They've got it. They've got a huge menu. Give them a chance because they are they're great to our community and they're a great provider of, of great drinks to everybody. Oh, yeah. So, with that being said, this has been Locker Room Hype. Episode number 14. I'm James Fairchild. I'm Aaron Brennan. And we'll see you guys next time. Peace. Later.